Welcome listeners to the 24th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me, as always, are my wonderful co-hosts, the powerful wizards Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. For this episode, we also have with us the reigning Swedish national modern champion, extremely powerful wizard Andreas Hoverberg. Warm welcome to the cast. As always, the absolute warmest welcome to you, dear listeners. Hello, everybody. Hello, friends. Ah, hello, hello. From Andreas also. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Decked app. In today's episode, we will hear all about the Swedish Legacy Nationals. This is also why Andreas is here, as he teamed up with me and Robin for the team's portion of this tournament. But before we really get going, though, some housekeeping. All the deck list that we will be talking about today will be available in our Discord, so you can find the link to that in the episode information. And incidentally, Andreas, you are a local end boss in Stockholm and generally very cunning, so who better to join a discussion on the legacy nationals, huh? But before we dig into that, let's introduce you to those of our listeners who haven't faced you. When did you pick up Legacy, Andreas, and what do you play? Yeah, thank you very much for these kind words. Yeah, I play Lance mainly in Legacy right now, and I played Legacy for three, four years, something like that. I've actually, last year, I top eight the Nationals, I went out in the top eight, and I've also won the local championship here twice in a row, um, as the only player I've done it in Stockholm, so that's why I, yeah, why I'm here. When I think of Andreas, I think of him as a non-blue player, I should add. A lot of great results with decks like Lands and uh, Monred, Stompy and that kind of decks. So it's awesome to have you here. Painter. Yeah, the painter person. It's extremely nice. Yeah, so, so as Robin said, I, I am, uh, yeah, uh, right now I only play non-blue decks. I, I, of course, I've played like, every single deck, uh, at least online. And, but the, the blue never felt good. I, I don't know. It's just, I, I prefer non-blue, mainly because the blue players get so tilted when they lose. <laughs> uh, I'm drawing so many cards, I have all this stuff, I still lose to a Rishi Dampoor, why? I draw these 38 cards, I still couldn't <laughs> find my stuff, uh, deck sucks. It, it's so many times versus show and tell, yeah, show and tell with the sneak attack, sneak and show I guess, where, where they get in the grist brand, they draw 14. Versus Lance at it. And then and they still need to brainstorm and ponder so on. And they just keep digging through the entire deck. Doesn't find the answer for the Caracas. <laughs> and scoops. Such a good feeling. Such yeah, a good that's feeling. great. So you're you're pretty much saying that you don't need a brainstorm ponder crutch that all of the other blue like blue players need. Like me, Robin <laughs> yeah. especially. Yeah, I guess so. I, I mean I, I we complain a bit later in the podcast that I'm not playing blue, but that's yeah, that's a hit you have to take every once in a while. So now I'm gonna pretend that I'm Victor for the next segment of the show. So I'm going to be facilitating a bit because uh, these three lovely people uh, were playing the teams tournament when I was sitting at the train with delays. And I was really excited to hear about what these, like how the team would perform. I knew what decks they would be on. And I would kind of say the the blue crusher team. Uh, which I'm really excited to hear more about. So first of all, I want to just ask you some questions about the uh, the preparations and thoughts you had going into this tournament. So so what was your like collective thought process? No, I think the collective thought process wasn't really collective as such. Sort of how do we win this as a team? Because this was not a team unified legacy. This was uh, just sort of. Bring the legacy decks that you have if you're playing in the main event on Saturday 
form a team of three people and you will uh, gather your wins on this Friday sort of F&M four-round style, but also throughout the, the Saturday main event. And then this these scores will be tallied up in total. And then on the Sunday, there was a team's semifinals and finals. So, I mean, we, we did lots of theory crafting before we realized it wasn't going to be a unified tournament. Such a missed opportunity. Yeah, but I mean, it, it we, we formed a quite a cool team. As you said, Christopher, it was a non-blue team with a setting of two lands deck and one reanimator deck. So I, I, I think we gave our opponents a, quite a rough match with those decks. Yeah, they didn't really think too much uh, it uh, on it as a team. The team event is like, okay, this deck I'm going to play in the main event, so I might as well play it in the team event. So uh, for, for the listeners who are still sticking with us after all these episodes, we've referred to you as The Hope earlier. Uh, <laughs> how did you feel when, when Robin and Victor reached out to you and asked if you wanted to play the team trios? It's a bit funny now with the results in hand that I'm called The Hope, because yeah, we'll come to it later, but I was the worst player in the trio. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I was honored, of course. I mean, I, yes, I said yes right away. It's really fun to play a team event. I played some other team events before, and they've always been great times. So. And I mean, and I knew I was going to the um, uh, Nationals anyway, so I might just take the first team that picks me up, so to say. Uh, yep, yeah, spoiler, I had other teams to ask also, but I declined them. Yesterday. Wow. Wow, so honored. <laughs> mm, that's great. Before we dig into the tournament, uh, I'm going to share this extremely very short story that happened exactly the moment when uh, Gillem, the person who I was traveling with, and I came to Burås, which the tournament was at, and the tournament was over. I, I kind of knew the results. You guys went, hmm, 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 no spoilers here, but I saw you free walking out of the venue, and I shouted, and... All of you three, you didn't see it was me, it was pitch dark, because Sweden at 11pm. And all of you three were like, oh no, and l- started walking away from, from me, like it ch- changed your angle a bit. And then I was like, Victor! <laughs> and then you were like, oh, it's fucking Christopher. <laughs> and it was so funny, like, it, you looked like some, some uh, like, drunk yelled at you. <laughs> it was just like the funniest experience, like... <laughs> Ah, man, what a good time. That's exactly how I want to be greeted, like people just walking fast away from me. Let's let's cover the, the tournament. So tell me about the first the first round. So I was in uh, I was in seat A and I was the team captain apparently, so I got to say extra hello to the teams. Uh, the first round I played uh, one of our previous guests, played Joel Grenehed, who eventually did really well in the tournament on the Saturday on Blue Red Delver, and I won 2-1 with my Black Red Reanimator. It was a fun match, although he scooped up the cards uh, before I was about to reanimate Ragavan, so I could attack with Grizzlebrand and Ragavan, i.e. the best the two best one-drops in the format, but he denied me yeah, of that opportunity. Yeah, we're still not sure if Ragavan or Grizzlebrand is the best one-drop. It's an ongoing discussion. Yeah, we never got to see them pair together, it's a pity. Uh, and I faced off against uh, another strong player who also uh, went really far. He topped eight, David Åberg. And uh, I, he was on eight cast. And uh, it's um, it's an interesting matchup. Tabernacle is obviously very good against a lot of thopters, but they also present a lot of blockers for Merit Lage, so it's a little bit of a struggle. But we won 
uh, one game each, and then we had this really uh, slow game where we both exhausted resources, and then I eventually uh, managed to make Merit Leech for the win in the game three. I played in the middle seat for some reason, or mainly so I could be next to Robin, because we were both playing the same same deck. And uh, yeah, I, I met, uh, I don't remember his name, but uh, he's a really good player. Uh, I got smashed 0-2 against 8 cost. Was a bit too slow on my 2020, and game 2 I got wrecked by like a force of will or something. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. I, I got smashed, nothing more than that. It's always nicer to be extremely destroyed by someone who like does well later. It's it's worse when it's like round one, and then you know six rounds later in the tournament you see them being down at the, like <laughs> like largest number table. You're like, oh no. So the first round is in the bag. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. Tell me about round two. Was it juicy? For me, round two was um, almost the equivalent of a buy because I faced burn which uh, I think is a very good matchup for me. I can just pretty safely put Grizzlerun into play, and that's uh, it's really the game. You don't even have to draw cards. You just, here's a 7-7 lifelink, and you attack three times. I met um, Mono Blue Painter, and I, I lost 1-2. Uh, got un- un- or unlucky, I mean. The opponent draw uh, the last piece of combo, uh, Grindstone, on the last turn. I had a Force of Vigor in hand and could stabilize. I was about to lock him out from Lance, but then he drew the card last turn, so I got top ticked. It happens. Uh, I mean, overall, Painter is a rather bad matchup, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of happy with I was as close as I was anyway. Yeah, and I faced off against uh, Blue and Red Delver, and of course I built my Lance deck to have a fighting chance against the top deck. Of course, uh, Maces of Its and Blast Zones and Tabernacles and Punishing Fires and whatnot. I managed to beat my opponent 2-1, and like the most interesting thing going on in that match, I think, was a missed opportunity from my opponent, where he stole uh, crop rotation with his monkey, and forgot that he could fetch Caracas with it. So he just let it stay in exile, and a lot later realized that it would have been a user useful spell. So maybe a little bit inexperienced there in the matchup, uh, which uh, helped me, because I would not have won if he gotten Caracas, because I had a merit late shout. It's so funny, me, me, me and Andreas sitting there like, Trying with poker faces to do that. <laughs> oh fuck! No, no. But like, everything is fine here. Nothing's happening at uh, all. Yeah, I was so sure when the crop got excited. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Nothing happened. Yeah, so that was very close. But uh, yeah, we we managed to keep a poker face. All of us. That was quite cool. Nobody giggle. <laughs> Nobody make a like move a muscle. Nobody look at the crop rotation. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Super <laughs> 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 and then di- directly after like the turn when it's in Robin's upkeep, you're like, whew, lucky he didn't <laughs> cast <laughs> that. <laughs> Pointed at it like whew. Was close. <laughs> whew. Alright, so so now you're up two oh, so it's it's getting to uh, yeah, like even if you would bust out the last two rounds you'd still be in a pretty healthy spot, I would say. You'd gained all of those six extra points, <laughs> which were really helpful <laughs> when we learned about the bonus system for this event. But anyways, moving on to round three. What happened here, Victor? Well, firstly, we're sitting on table one for round three, FYI. Uh, and I get to face an opponent. Uh, these guys are very nice, and we shuffle. And my opponent mulligan, I mulligan. And then my opponent mulligan, I mulligan. And then my opponent mulligans and I mulligan. So we go down to four. 
now I'm getting suspicious. Like, hmm, is this a mirror? And then my opponent goes swamp, cast Thoughtseize, targets himself, discard Gristlebrand. I'm like, okay, this is the mirror. Look at my hand, draw my card for turn, play swamp, petal, animate dead your Gristlebrand. And he's like, oh, and then sort of he scoops it up, revealing he has reanimate in hand. So he made a perfectly correct play, obviously. Like, that's what, what else is he supposed to do with a four like that? It's, it's great. I just happen to have a better animation spell in my hand. And in game two, <laughs> even funnier, he thought seized me and we sort of disrupted each other for a while. And then I animated a grief from his graveyard and swing nine times for 18 damage total and won the game. So 2 0 for me in the mirror. <laughs> that matchup is so funny. Um, yeah, I actually got the winner game here. That was surprising, but uh, yeah, the hope <laughs> finally. Oh, uh, I met um, Mono Black Reanimator, or more like Mono Black Ramp. It was like uh, pack rats and uh, the seven six dinosaur for three mana. So it's so like rituals and so on, and it has a small reanimation package. So uh, I lost game one to Grizzly Brand uh, right away. So I was like, okay, this is reanimator. I didn't see any balance, but, but I mean, I lost on turn two, turn three, three swamps. So I thought it was just was normal reanimator. But then in game two, he starts playing pack rats and stuff. But uh, I managed to win because I had a fast 1 to 20. And then I was like, oh, wait, he plays small creature. Back with the punching fires. And in game three, I actually won by his punching fire entire way. Wow. 20 to zero. <laughs> wow. Upstairs. So yeah, Punchy Fire is pretty good versus Packrat if you're ahead. <laughs> so that's just entire waste. Did you have like a, a punchline every time you shot him, like upstairs or <laughs> in the dome? Or like, did you did no. you have a one-liner or, or did you just say yeah, fire it, you? It, it was more like minus two plus one, minus two plus yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's such a max, max <laughs> practice. Like you go, you go up to 11 and then down to nine and then up to 12. <laughs> like, oh, always like that. Yeah, I had a super grindy match. I was facing off quite a pile. It was red, blue and green deck facing uh, sporting cards like Darcy and Nimble Mongoose and uh, was just, uh, I mean, it was just a beautiful wow. deck with uh, a little bit more mid-rangey than Delver. I didn't see a lot of counter magic from him. I, I think he was going for like value slash hard to deal with threats and uh, I was building a, a, a pile of zombies with uh, Field of the Dead and uh, I was having a great time because <laughs> I was at pretty high life and unable uh, just to do like do the land thing. So uh, after game one, Andreas and Victor already finished, so we, we didn't play any more games. So I just I just finished that one uh, one zero. Yeah, that's sick. I, I really like that. Uh, like uh, the so it was the dreadnought package and Darcy's and everything. Yeah, just I just love that. It just sounds like the right amount of spicy, but still having, you know, super efficient cards like uh, DRC and it it sounds like a very cool list. And sometimes when I really want to hammer down like how good one specific card in the matchup is, I usually ask on a scale, but then I mess up the topic. So I'm going to do that to you and see if you if you're on the vibes. On a scale 1 to blast, how good was your 10 zone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On a yeah. scale it, it one was, to blast, it was a blast. I must say, the ten zone was a blast. Absolutely, I, I, I destroyed uh, multiple <laughs> creatures that was not supposed to be d destructible. So you're free and oh, and it's only one round remaining. What happened? Yes, yeah, so we sit down again at table one, playing the um, 
only other team I think who was on three or at that point. So my match finished last, but I can uh, should I go first still or should we keep? Yeah, I go first. So I play four color band. The first ma- game I think I win the first game pretty handily just by doing gristle brand things basically. Second game he gets me with the uh, Caracas pretty good. I have sort of no way to to move out of that. I just have the gristle brand sitting in my hand and just sort of drawing air and then the third game was quite tight i moved again to five he kept his seven had caracas again uh, i had a good sort of uh, thing going on for a while but eventually i'm just uh, out of gas and he gets a teferi going uh, so he can bounce things and you know bounce animate dead if i cast it and so on so in the end i lose two one and i think even though if i gone to seven i think he had a sideboard and a uh, very tight play style so he probably would have won that i think 2-1 feels like a fair score it's a rough matchup so so i'm at pretty much the hardest matchup for lance blue green omnital it's super rough matchup because uh, they, they they don't like all in hammer cool or around anything then they play so many basic they just go a lot of basics show metal omniscience hammer cool and uh, it's super super hard for uh, the lands deck and they play like ice fang stuff also so you, i mean your best plan is to just be super fast on 2020 but it, it's not even that easy to do because yeah they play the wish packet also can get some bounds or whatever so it's a super rough matchup and i got smashed here co2 in, in game two i even went turn one sphere turn two sphere so two spheres in play and then i went turn three sylvan library but but I, it doesn't matter i mean i get a card i don't get the combo then on turn five oh Guess what I have mana for? <laughs> Show and tell. Man. Yeah, that that sounds like a really terrible matchup, actually. Like, not only the basics, but I've, I see a lot of lists not only running Ice Fang, which can buy them a turn and draw them a card, uh, but also, you know, Uro can put them over 20 if they have fetched once or twice, and it's just, like, so annoying to play against. But then, yeah, they go all-in Omniscience, which is also a nightmare that you can't Caracas. So it's just a nightmare. Uh, he, he endurance me also. I'm not sure if he plays some side or main, but, but they're still really good. And that, yeah, it's also annoying. It's like, no cards in that deck that I want to meet. So, yeah, 0-2, smash, some 1-3 in total. Yeah, and, and I I played one of the most interesting games uh, for the day on my part. I was facing off against the Epic Storm. In game one, I have a port going to uh, keep him uh, off lands, and I think I wasted him once or twice. So I... I I, I think I delay his combo turn a little bit, and uh, I mean I, I don't really have any cards that matter in the deck other than uh, other than just uh, killing him. And I I managed to do the surprise merit lage where I sack uh, a green source for uh, with a with a crop rotation to get the ancient tomb to get that one mana extra and uh, and surprise making merit lage in his end step. So that was like stealing the victory there. And uh, then I have. 11 cards to bring in this matchup and 11 quite bad cards to take out as well. <laughs> I mean, Maces and uh, Valkut Explorations and whatnot. So many cards that doesn't really do anything. And I multi five and I keep what is a turn to Sphere and a Red Elemental Blast to 
stop cantrips or, or whatnot. And he, he, he doesn't go off on turn one, so I get to draw step. And I draw a crop rotation, so I can crop for that ancient tomb again and play the turn one sphere. And from there on, he's quite locked out and he doesn't have a decay for it. Uh, so he tries to actually storm through the sphere because he has have a lot of rituals and uh, lines of diamonds. But he only ends up with three mana in the end and to 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 play the echo and uh, I'm sitting on a reb so I just finished that game with a relevant blast on his final turn so that was I was I was really happy to beat the epic storm 2-1 all right so the total score is 3-1 uh, we're not gonna go into individual scores uh, it's a group effort so no no more of that yeah yeah no no more of that uh, you know feel bad but yeah, considering you were on lands and you played four combo decks it's it's a uh, it, it's good to get get those out of the way before the saturday i guess so so i mean i'm at four combo but it's re- real on on the omnitel that I, that I felt really bad that's like okay this i'm not supposed to win they're both the painter and the eight cast i mean they're not the best matchups but it's still doable so I, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I got one three. Not happy with it, of course, but two two. I uh, would have expected at least, but it happens. I mean, we walked out to the venue before being assaulted by Christopher, and sort of just being happy about the fact that we actually on the standings ended up as the second uh, team out of twenty three. Uh, I mean, of course, lots of other teams were uh, were nine points uh, with three one records, but we were the best breakers and it felt like we was lost the finals so second place even though this was not the finished tournament felt like a very good thing to do on the very end of the eve of the action nationals yeah yeah that sounds that sounds really nice was was i was me yelling outside the venue scarier than the drivers in Boros? <laughs> it's the worst driving i've ever seen i've never been as terrified no. The drivers in Boros was a menace. <laughs> yeah, people doing like 50, 60 kilometers on the curb side of, I don't know. The the, the midnight driving in Boros, uh, anyone who goes there, just be, a, be, be wary. guys time for the real fire the main event to individual swedish legacy nationals we are going to run through our play first and then round off uh, with a discussion about top 16 Uh, as these discussions could go rather long we will have a structure to keep us a bit concise each of us will elaborate on one or two of our matches that may be more uh, memorable for any reason. And then the rest of our matches, we will just talk very briefly about what happened in them. If you want bonus content about a specific match that you hear us, just skip over here quickly. You can hit us up in the Discord and we'll be happy to elaborate. So let's go. We're going to run down each round. We're going to start with Andreas, because guests first, and then uh, our usual order, Robin, Christopher, and me at the end. So round one, Andreas, tell us. So, yeah, I played round one, met Reg, good matchup, was easy wins, I won 2-0. Uh, yeah, it's nothing special here. In game two, he mulligans to three, and uh, he loses to Wasteland, does find a Reg here. Easy wins versus Reg, 2 I'm super happy about now. Yeah, and I face off against Reanimator, which is a little bit of a worse matchup, even though it's graveyard-centric as well. A little bit faster and... Uh, 
little bit harder to deal with some of the threats. And uh, yeah, my game one, I keep a fair hand, and he unmasks me. <laughs> he has nothing to really take. I think he puts a uh, a loam in the graveyard or something like that, but he, he sees that I have a maze and that I have a Caracas, so he goes for uh, the Archon of Cruelty, and that makes me drain three damage each turn and uh, sacrifice, no, discard one of my cards. So it it makes it a little bit hard for me to, to get up good land count and uh, to do something useful with my cards, and I lose that game eventually. And game two, he's all in on four cards or five cards, and I have endurance for it. And in game three, I have a keep of both a Force of Vigor, Endurance, a Crop Rotation, and a green card, maybe it was an Exploration. And he discards me several times, but each time I have drawn some new sort of interaction, so he never gets to, to do his thing, and eventually I have the Merit Leash. So I actually win against Reanimator. And by now, we we are kind of seeing that this metagame is quite combo-heavy, actually, and there was a lot of combo around the room that I could see at this point. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of funny because uh, me going into the tournament, I, I since I didn't play the the day before, I sleeved up uh, Yorian Aluren, um, and I'm praying that I'm not gonna play against any fast combo because you know I diluted my deck a bit and I'm pretty scared about like Aluren is already pretty bad against fast combo and the 80 card version is not stronger. So my first round opponent is Oops All Spells, of course, and uh, <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, like, uh, between the four of us, uh, I'm not going to spoil too much about what Victor played, but we played three very, like, kind of fast combo, graveyard combo decks in the first round. It's kind of crazy. But yeah, lo long story short, game one, I get Oopsed, and game two and three, I have a counter spell. On to you, Victor. On to me. Yeah, I played uh, eight cost and I lost one too. It was a very tight match. I won the first game on the draw uh, when my opponent went turn one chalice. So I was pretty proud about that. I basically discarded my Gristlebrand and then uh, put two mana into the battlefield and sort of went from there. But then my opponent chalice was too strong and uh, this opponent later made top eight. So I didn't feel too bad. I felt this was a very good play. On to round two, Andreas. Yeah. Yeah, so in round two, I was actually on the feature match. Could probably see the match on the Svenska Magic YouTube. I think that's where it was broadcasted. And the reason why I was on camera was uh, because I was against uh, Alexander Rostal, who's a really good legacy player. He top forward later. And yeah, obviously, yeah, they want to see me also because I um, was a good legacy player. But um, he her I, I lost 0-2 versus uh, Bug Control. Uh, I got punished in game two because I removed my second basic from the main deck, which I played for a really long time yesterday before, because it was because we didn't see much blood moon. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna remove one basic because it's not that much blood moon. Then he, I'm on in game two. I'm on six lands. I have a field of the dead. He assassins draw for me, and I don't get to get the other basic because I had the first basic in play. So that's like, yeah, it's a bit unlucky, but I mean, uh, I was preparing for more combo by removing the basic, because I got extra card in cyborg done, but yeah, I got punished, lost CR2, he's a really good player, so I'm not really unhappy with that, he, he deserves to win, no doubt. And meanwhile, I am facing off against the blue and red Delver, I mean, I'm quite prepared for blue red Delver, I should say, and I won game one with just wastelands, I think I kept the double wasteland hand and just folded to that. Game two, he has fast Delver hand and uh, I, I have no real way to, to stop him. And game three uh, was probably the most interesting game because I have, again, a Merit Leech that is beating down and he's presenting threats and digging meanwhile. 
but uh, in the end he didn't find uh, Submerge or Caracas and the Merit Leech. Meanwhile, I'm facing off against a blue-red twin player. And this was a spicy list because not only was there a sub-theme of, uh, you know, fairies. I saw a Cavern of Souls in there. But the person was also playing the Madcap Experiment, which uh, lets them flip the top cards of the library until they hit... Uh, help me, Andreas. Oh yeah, uh, t- until they hit an artifact. Yeah, an artifact. And then they lose life equal to its converted mana cost. No, equal no? to the cards you reveal. Oh. Unless you, of course, hit, yeah. hit uh, Unless the... you reveal the Platinum Imperium that makes your life exactly. can change. Exactly. So this this uh, matchup, uh, it's quite funny because game one, we both have quite awkward hands. Uh, my opponent plays no, no cantrips and just on turn three plays a true name nemesis. And I'm sitting there like fist bumping. Oh yeah, I'm playing against uh, an old blue-red Delver list. And I'm just packed with interaction. But then my opponent plays the Madcap Experiment and uh, flips the... Like on the way down to the, the Platinum Imperium or whatever the Colossus name is. I see Pestamite, Splinter Twin and like a lot of combo cards. And suddenly I don't feel as safe anymore. But, you know, I get to source it, untap, and learn for the win. <laughs> because then I realized that I did hit the break. Like, I can't, I can't just sit there. Game through is super interesting, and I'm just going to take this really short scenario that happened. So, the, I don't have a token for the Tomb of Annihilation, the Lost Mine of Fandelver. So, the morning after we had breakfast, before going to the venue, I made a very, like, an A4 flowchart token of... Uh, what the Lost Mine of Fandelver was, so that I would be able to show my opponent, welcome to the Lost Mine of Fandelver. Right now, we're at the entrance, and we will take a path that looks like this as many times as I want. <laughs> this was so funny. Yeah, it's so... It's so... <laughs> Hi, I'm Azrak. I'm your guide. <laughs> Hello. I promise Let you, me... this is the real way. This is really fun. <laughs> one more. Yeah, this is the way. <laughs> Just one more. Time. This is the way. And uh, and it's it's super funny because I resolve an Aluren, and I have two two recruiters. I'm feeling pretty good, and I try and resolve the first recruiter, and he activates his Mutavolt with itself, plays a free Pestamite, untaps it, and then Spellstratus bites my recruiters. I play another one in response. And he counters that with another spell status bite. And I'm like, oh, this is this is pretty bad, but my opponent only has two more cards in it in, in his hand. How bad can it be? So he flashes in another Pestamite until end of turn and has free six power. Like a f- like six power for free. So he untaps, hits me for six, and then plays the madcap experiment, which was his last card from the turn before. <laughs> and suddenly I'm facing down 14 16 power. Uh, due to the Mutavolt also. So I'm sitting there like, okay, I'm going to have to cantrip myself like out of this situation. So, uh, you know, the the next turn he attacks, I just flash in a Leovold to block the Mutavolt and go down to one. I untap, ponder into Living Wish, and then get a Serac. But a Serac can't kill my opponent right now um, because uh, the life total can't change. So I just <laughs> pull up my flow chart and I show... Each, I'm going to do this as many times as I want. I'll get a scry, a treasure token, 
I'll gain one life and draw a card. And then I did that 10 times until I could play Teferi with double force backup and bounce the, the platinum. So yeah, Victor, Beautiful. tell me about your round two. Well, uh, I'm going to ask you, can you, any of you give me the oracle text for Kahira, the orphan guard? Is it a companion? This is a companion. You can't. I mean, uh, this was if you knew it by heart. Obviously, none of you do. So that's one and two green-white hybrid mana. Legendary creature, Cat Beast 3-2. Companion also has vigilance and each other creature you control that's a cat, elemental, nightmare, dinosaur, or beast gets plus one, plus one, has vigilance. My opponent reveals this when we sit down. I did I did know Kaira actually. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Uh, but of course, this is just my opponent really getting me because this is just a lands player. But he put this in his sideboard to to get me, and he did. So in game one, I sort of I keep hands that are not sort of um, not winning against lands, and I'm like, ah, nice one, well played. Game two, I just go like reanimator things, blah, and he scoops after like one turn uh, because he sees that there is no avenue for winning. And then in game three, he gets to dig quite early with a civil library, and he digs and digs and digs and digs and manages to present one more sort of hate card than I have disruption and reanimation spells. So he wins in the end. He ended up being on the winning team tournament team. So I'm not uh, feeling too bad about losing to, to this opponent either. Can I ask you, Andreas, what do you think about Kahira in the lands sideboard? Uh, yeah, to first off, uh, if you play no creature in your deck, you can play that as a companion. So any deck that doesn't play any creature can play it. And uh, since uh, my most lands uh, don't play Elvish Reclaimer, you're free to play it. So, I mean, if you feel you have the spot in Cyber for it, I guess, sure. It also works with Endurance, because Endurance is elemental, and that looks for elemental, so... You can still play your endurance and still have it as a companion. Yeah, and it, it, it boosts the the endurances and gives them vigilance as well. So, so yeah, I think it's really, really cool. If you feel comfortable with playing 14 card sideboard, and as a lands player, you want extra board slots. Because, yeah, spoiler, I, I board in 15 cards <laughs> a game later on. <laughs> it, it's a rough time out there, I'm just saying. So, yeah, yeah if you want to play 14. It's a free creature. All right, then on to round three, Andreas. So, yeah, I lost against uh, Rosal earlier, as I said. Uh, I'm 1-1, I'm still doable, everything's fine. And then, uh, here I meet uh, blue-white, eight cost. It's a bit more aggro list. Uh, they don't play the baubles and stuff like that. And they don't play chalice, but they play Esper Sentinel, the new the white two-drop that looks for top card. And also Nettle Sist. So, yeah, it's a bit more aggro, basically. And uh, I lost one two here. I did a greedy for a bigger play game three that probably lost me the game. Also, it was a bit annoying because he had a four four construct in game three, and I have a molten vortex in play, taiga and a grow uh, in play, so two red sources, and I have a dark depths in hand and a punching fire in hand. So I'm just waiting on any land so I can either just double shoot it or just yeah punching fire and do dark depths. So yeah, but, but yeah, I mainly did a greedy play here, so I got punished. It happens. Yeah, and for me, I was on uh, camera for round three. I was facing off against um, well-known player that I played before and seen before, and uh, I was not sure what he was going to play. I, when I faced him, he has played a little bit of brew, like Hullbreacher uh, sort of uh, decks, Stoneforge Hullbreacher, and uh, like Days Undoing, that kind of little bit uh, more cute um, decks. But now he was on a Luren. 
a matchup that I have actually played quite a lot because of Christopher, of course. And I know it's not really good for the Lance player because when they resolve a Luren, it's it's a bit rough. <laughs> and uh, that's what happened in game one. I think we're both a bit a little bit nervous being on camera. And for me, maybe I'm more nervous because I do two game rule violations in the first game. <laughs> so that game is is uh, unnecessarily drawn out uh, because of the like judge calls and so on. But I, I only get warnings. But uh, soon after all that is like done, he he asks me and uh, we move on to game two. I have a little bit of cards that I can bring in to fight the Luren, but in the end, I think that uh, it, it's it's quite rough to go along long game against that deck. So I end up keeping hands that make a, a early Merit Lage. I think in, in uh, game one, I have uh, some land and a uh, green land and Richard and Port into uh, depths and stage on turn two. I'm on the play also, so it's it's quite hard for him. And he he, uh, he cannot present anything. I even, I even can port him after at the turn when I'm uh, attacking with Merit Lage. And uh, the the same way happens in game three. I have a, a, a Torpor Orb that he decays, and then uh, I make Merit Lage and just swing in for a victory. So get a little bit lucky there, I think. Very nice. And he was on the on the 60-card version uh, playing, if I'm not mistaken, cards like Sylvan Library. Yes. Yes, it's it's kind of uh, a bit old school. It reminded me a bit of what I played in Balagna. Uh, did, did, did you say, I think you might have mentioned some Brazen Borrowers also, or am I misremembering? Yeah, I think that's what he had, because we were talking about the board plans after the game, but I never, I, 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 it wasn't used, but I think that was his answer to Merit Lich, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm playing my round three against the Death and Taxes, and uh, there's not a lot to say here, folks. You're playing against the white deck with a really mean green combo deck. It's it's 2-0. I got, I got to Living Wish for my Plague Engineer in game 1 to kill free creatures and lock another one in his hand. It's pretty grim. And unlike... It's just really hard to play that matchup if you're deaf in Texas. If, if the Alluren player starts drawing cards, it's very hard to stop it. And now I'm playing 4 Swords to Plowshares and 4 Prismatic Ending as well, just to, you know... Oh, you don't get a vial. Only I can cheat on mana. Oh, you you made a cauldra complete. Let's take that germ away. It's it's extremely hard for the Defentaxis to do things. But I mean, Defentaxis is one of those decks that can beat anything. So um, it just wasn't just wasn't me this time, Defentaxis opponent. Who we also took beer like uh, some beers with later. Like super nice people. Very nice people indeed. I agree with you as a D&T player uh, many times that the Allure matchup is not... You don't sort of sit down that and and feel safe. <laughs> so for me, round three, I play Cloud Post. I'm paired up. Uh, I was paired up in the match before as well. And I pick up another one-two loss. In first game, I do Grizzlebrand things and just shred them. I think the, the first game pre-sideboard is very lopsided in my favor. But the, the game three and three are quite lopsided in opponent's favor because... I mean, I have a cloud post uh, deck myself, and you have so much taken. I mean, you have the endurances, you have the force of vigorous or cross and grips if you play them for the animate dead, and you also have uh, usually a, a full playset of mind break trap. But in game two, I sort of I I shred their hand uh, with my disruption. I'm like, yeah, they only have three lands. 
nothing going for them. I will animate my Gristle Brand in two turns because I have this going on. And when I go to animate my Gristle Brand, they're like, yeah, I drew crop rotation and endurance on my two draw steps. So uh, yeah, no problem. No, uh, one of them he found through a, a once upon a time. But yeah, basically nice top text, but the cards are in the deck. So, you know, that happens. Uh, and this opponent uh, played the win and in in round eight as well. So I've now picked up three losses, but against three well, skilled opponents in tight games and tight matches. So even though I'm 0-3 at this point, I'm feeling sort of happy about this tournament anyway. I'm like, yeah, this is nice. I'm playing good guys. I'm having a good time. So round four, Andreas. Okay, so yeah, I'm 1-2 now. I know that my top eight chances are minimal by now. I haven't done exact math, but just I'm a bit unhappy with that because my goal obviously was top eight. Anything outside that? It's like below my standards, I would say. But put a quite high standard on myself, so. The hope? Yeah. <laughs> but then, obviously, for the team events, you still need to play on. So you have to play every round. I mean, I would probably drop by now in a normal day and go home and be sad and cry a bit. But uh, So I, I play on. And here in round four, I meet another Stockholm player. We play quite a lot uh, locally. He's on SP Jurion Vial. And uh, I grind out with Feel of Dead. Not much than that. I mean, the board state is like any uh, commander game. Which is so much stuff, but I have yeah, so much stuff. He has more, lots of stuff. I win because I have Field of the Dead. So yes, two super grindy games with Field of the Dead. I played several times versus him. Nothing like interesting, so to say, because we played so much. If you like Commander, play the SP Julian versus Lance. It's, it's about the same feeling. Yeah, and uh, I am now facing the same bug control player that uh, beat Andreas in round three. For my round four so i'm 3-0 and i'm on the table one i lose game one to uh, force will on on my sort of haymaker cards and no real answer to his haymaker cards he starts drawing a lot of cards with the jays and he has a lot of interaction with uh, with my permanents i think he was playing three winter bloom command which is a super sweet card that also like develops his mana if necessarily. So that was kind of rough and uh, me and Andreas had been speaking a little bit about this uh, matchup beforehand so I, I knew sort of uh, what I should expect and what I should play for and in game two I can do exactly that. I get a wasteland loam engine going and he has to pack it in because he has so many duels. But then in game three it's a little bit of game one again. Uh, he forces exploration, he forces my Valkut exploration and destroys even a mox and uh, go like runs away with the game with the jace uh, so not much to do there and uh, i take my first loss there speaking of first losses uh, round four i also pick up my first loss i'm playing against a one of the top eight competitors and the, my opponent was actually first on the standings going into the last round where i think he drew into top eight but um yeah, so I, I lose to Tinfins, 0-2. Here we continue the theme of uh, dodging uh, Dark Ritual fast combo decks. Um, let's just say, in in game one, when I when my opponent drew 42 cards, I had a Birds of Paradise in play. <laughs> but you're still thinking like he might whiff, right? He might whiff. Yeah, yeah, like every, <laughs> every seven is seven life. I think we can agree that Grizzlebrand is a better one-drop than Birds of Paradise. And you can still dash Grizzlebrand with Gorio's Vengeance, like my opponent <laughs> did. So it's very, it's it's very much build your <laughs> Ragavan on crack. 
because yeah, my my uh, opponent's Grizzlebrand got dashed and drew 42 cards. And uh, yeah, uh, if you've played against Tin Fence, it kills you. And uh, game two, my opponent actually has a transformational 15 card sideboard into Doomsday. And shows me that I can die in other ways as well. So I'm, I am I pick up my first loss. It's like you picked up a loss against two fast Dark Ritual combo decks in one game, in one match. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, um, it's demoralizing. It's, uh, I felt it. So I pick up my first win in round four. I played that in Taxes 2-0. My opponent wasn't super familiar with the matchup, so I could ride that advantage pretty far. But super nice opponent, very nice match. Of course, happy to get a win finally. And I'm feeling like, I'm like, yeah, from now on, I'm just going to win every match for the rest of the day. That was sort of my feeling uh, at this time. To round five then half of the day has gone half of the day plus potential top eights left andreas what happened yes so i'm 2-2 by now uh, below my ex- expectation but still have to play on i know there's still like this small glimmer of hope to get into the top eight but uh, i need to be lucky here so i meet different taxes and uh, normally uh, a pretty good matchup i mean i'm happy playing it I mean, uh, it's one of the matchups I prefer to meet, uh, mainly because I've played lands uh, versus Death Taxes, also the other side, uh, quite a lot. So, so I'm happy with the matchup. Around or game one, uh, happens what happens always. You, you make 20 20, the opponent top take a flick wisp, then there's no game anymore. It happens every time. It never make the 20 20, it's a trap. Just go field every time, never do a 20 20 versus Death and Taxes. And then, yep, so I lose game one. In game two, I have a super fast win. That's not 2020. So I have double expiration and loam, and also feel of the dead. So I'm on the play. On his turn three, uh, he had to waste me turn two. But on his upkeep turn three, I have. He, he has one basic planes, he went planes go, uh, and then waste on turn two and waste me. But then my fee, uh, my board state was I had four zombies, two expiration, eight lands, uh, where one was feel and one was port, and one loaming graveyard. And that's on the turn three. I mean, I port him. Like, <laughs> yeah, so he just scoops up there. So, so it's like on to game three, <laughs> yeah, question mark. Exactly. It's just, I mean, especially because he's like, when I get my Feel of the Dead trigger on uh, on my turn three, uh, he had played his waste on turn two, he wastes my Feel of the Dead. But I crop it for a second Feel of the Dead, so I get both the triggers and just oh, keep man. snowballing. The, I, I mean, have the, the, the power. That's one of his games where the opponent's like, there's no way any deck can ever beat this. Well, that's what I feel. Then, of course, we have game three. Uh, I wrote in a long essay here, but I'm going to keep it short. That uh, it, it, It's the, probably the most interesting match I had the entire weekend. He, he's on the play, and he doesn't do anything in start. He just go, lands go, lands go. Uh, we trade some wastelands. Uh, he tries to support me, but I have an expression in play. So, so I'm like going ahead in man anyway. Like He ports my stuff, I play two lands. It's like nothing happens. About turn five, I think. He uh, yeah he also done some wasteland uh, done some waste back and so on. He haven't played any creatures yet, and I have two endurance in hand. You bring them in versus death and taxes, not for the graveyard, but just they are really good blockers. 
that kills everything. It's a 3-4 beater. So, so I decided to flash in. First my first endurance, and then second turn my second one, and I start beating him down because I haven't done anything. Obviously, this is a setup for Cataclysm that he plays down. He just wrecks my entire board, but uh, it, it's more of if, if I don't play the second endurance, I won't force out the Cataclysm. So I want to get there. So he Cataclysm, and... Uh, 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 yeah, also he haven't played any creature yet, and that's because I have a multi-vortex in play. So if he plays a creature, I will shoot it with my vortex. Yeah, but now he Cataclysm. I keep one Endurance, one Taiga, and one Normal Exploration, rather than multi-vortex. Uh, it's because I have no uh, lands in hand, and if I draw the lands, I want to play them rather than uh, shoot, probably anyway. And he uh, yeah, keeps up basic planes. No, 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 he keeps a Caracas, and he gets a basic plane from a flags and triggers. So he's at 11 life here, and does class Cataclysm. I, yeah, my turn. I draw a um, uh, Mox Diamond. I have one Mox Diamond left in the deck because I bring three out because Death and Tax Plays loves to do nasty stuff with the Mox Diamonds. They are never left alone. It's really nasty. So, so my hand at this time is, or, or board state, is one Taiga, one Expression, one Endurance. In the hand I have one Force of Vigor, one Punching Fire, and one uh, Mox Diamond. Uh, and, and he has one Caracas, one Planes. So I hit him down to eight. On his turn, he goes Wasteland, Waste my Taiga, and plays a Talia. And then it's my turn, I draw a Loam. Oh, obviously, too late. I, mean, it, I, I have the entire, grave, uh, entire graveyard, all the lands, everything. It's just, if I get lands, I win. And then I hit, he goes down to five. He plays a new land and passes turn. So he's setting up a block with uh, Talia Caracas uh, bounce thingy. Uh, on that turn, I draw uh, some green card, either a second loam or an expiration. Some green card, it doesn't really matter. Uh, my hand now is uh, loam, a green card, I think, expiration, a force of vigor, punching fire, mox diamond, and I have no lands in play. I hit with the uh, endurance, he's a five. He blocks with Talia, bounces. Then it's his turn, he plays a new land, play the Talia, ready to do the same block again. Uh, and here, here's the interesting part. This turn, I draw a wasteland. He has a Caracas in play, three basics. And a Talia that he's gonna block bounce with. The problem is that I have my expiration in play, I have my Mox Diamond in hand, and I have my Wasteland. And, and I have the entire graveyard filled with uh, lands. So I know if I just get to draw a second land, do my Mox, uh, do my Loam uh, by uh, playing the Mox, discarding the land I drew, using my two mana, getting up two or three lands, and I get to play two lands. So I just know snowball out the right way. I have a feel of the dead in graveyard also, so, so I need to get the lands going. So, so I have this big decision here to either waste the Caracas. To get, in with med uh, to get in with Endurance, maybe Chumps. Uh, he probably will, because he doesn't want to go down to 2 versus Punch Fire deck. I, I decide here that it's too risky for me to uh, uh, waste on the Caracas here. Because um, if he, he can play more blockers and thing, and I'm quite far away from getting my loam going. So I, I attack, he blocks Vitalia, he uh, bounces it, and I play a Wasteland, maybe straight from hand. And that's because I want to set up more land drops to the next turn if I draw a land. And uh, there is no fear in me playing the Wasteland. Because if he plays a Wasteland, try to Wasteland me, I waste back and yeah, whatever. So it's safe to play Wasteland. And then on his turn, he has this, his four lands. He floats the man with Caracas, play a new Caracas, and then hardcast a Solitude. My Endurance is gone. And, and from here, it's like, oh no. <laughs> this plan oh, will not no. work anymore. No, no. But, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I still have this expiration. In play, I have my Wasteland, I have my Mox Diamond in hand, I have the Loam, and then I have so many, like I have a Force of Eager in case he tries to do something weird. I have the Punching Fire ready to go, like everything looking good. And then I draw a uh, Expiration or Loam. Like, but by, by this time I have two Loams, one Expiration, one Force of Eager, one Punching Fire, one Mox Diamond in hand, and Wasteland in play. 
So this is just, uh, I've drawn five spells in a row or something. That's quite a bit unlucky. And then, yeah, he, his turn, he goes uh, Talia, swings, my turn. I draw uh, another green card, another non-land. Then on his turn, he plays a pre-late for on two. And then I draw my land, but then it's just too late. So it's like, yeah, you, you play 35 lands, but uh, when you draw, yeah. Six spells in a row when you sit there waiting for any land is that's rough. And, and this at this point, this point I know that the deck is not cooperating. This event is not for me. It's not gonna happen. And that's also one of these times here. You're, you're not happy that you're not playing blue because <laughs> uh, at least have some sort of deck manipulation. Because drawing blindly. Yeah, it's so weird when you when you don't draw the lands in the land. It, it feels so. <laughs> I mean, it's just like when you uh, when you flood with lands. Obviously, I mean, it's just the reverse. Because, yeah, yeah, everyone remembers the times they draw five, six lands in a row. Here, so you draw five, six spells in a row and you're unhappy. <laughs> just, yeah, so, yeah I, yeah, I lose here. There's no way I come back from that board. So I'm dead like two turns anyway, so I just scoop it up. But that, at that point, I knew this event was not for me. It's insane. Yeah, and, and like it was similar for me. The game before against Alexander Rostal was sort of the turning point because this is when I, I started losing. And uh, I was facing off against Omnitel, and uh, as you already heard, it's quite a bad matchup for land already as it is. But when Rathian Dian, when what happened actually in this in this game, I must say that this guy was such a luck sack. So he's playing blue green Omnitel, and. Uh, uh, you, you guys, you listen. If, if the <laughs> so Luxac Omnitel player is, is listening, uh, of course we're not referring to to you. This is your uh, other like parallel universe, you. <laughs> listen to this. He plays to uh, Abundant Harvest, which is a great card. So he's, he starts off with a forest, plays Abundant Harvest, re- say non-land, reveals from the top. Ah, omniscience, nice. Next turn, he plays another land and another har- and his second harvest says non-land and reveals from the top. Oh, show and tell. And on, on the third turn, he plays his show and tell and puts in the omniscience and wins the game. So yeah, Great so deck. that's that's quite the good abundant harvest, I must say. Great deck. And then uh, on game two, I have a hand with three red elemental blasts. We start off kind of slow. I think he forces a sphere of mine on turn two. Then he plays Intuition, and I'm considering uh, blasting it, then decides not to do that. And he picks up three show and tells, takes his turn, plays the show and tell, I blast it, and it's countered. So <laughs> he has only one show and tell left in the deck. A little bit later, he plays a Cunning Wish in my end step, and I'm I'm not really sure what he can have for kind of madness thing in his sideboard, so I just blast it. I don't want to get surgical or whatever he's trying to do. So that's two of my blasts. Seems wise at this point. Of course. He finds his fourth show and tell. He plays it. I blast it. And he forces back. So it's resolved. And he puts into in Omniscience. And then he thinks for a while. And he thinks, like, ah, you're up to something. So... With his cunning wish, he doesn't grab shared summons. Instead, he grabs Fireman's Foresight to, to get a little bit of advantage. But then, when he plays it, he realizes that he, all of his wishes are already played. So he doesn't have another wish to find. So he only brings out a brainstorm and uh, an impulse. And then he impulses, and then he's like, wow! And he finds a Gristlebrand with it, plays it, draws seven, and finds Emrakul. <laughs> so <laughs> this guy, this guy is on a streak. This guy is such on a, such a streak, <laughs> and uh, he he went on to to all the way to the finals with the streak. So congratulations to him. And 
that's how you win a, ma a game of Magic. Here, we're in uh, in round five, you know, between each round, I'm still going to all of my friends saying, man, all this fast combo, am I right? So my round five opponent is TES, the Epic Storm, which is a, a horrendous matchup. I'm just gonna do the super quick one. Like game one, we actually have a disagreement because we both calculated Storm differently. And uh, yeah, like eventually, after we've talked a bit uh, about it a bit, I tell my opponent, okay, you know what? Benefit of the doubt, you're playing Storm in, in Swedish Nationals. You'll get game one, and I will also be extremely careful counting Storm from now on in, in the next games. And then in games two and three, I just sit on him. <laughs> so I just, you know, living wish for Collect Roof. I play my Leovold out. We just trade resources super heavy. I think in game two, I bounce Wishclaw three times with two different Teferis. Between that and just prismatic ending them, it was great. And the 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 downside TES has in that matchup, which is the only you know way to cheese them, is that it's extremely hard for them to deal with when I get up to four mana. Because uh, I've played I've played the uh, ant against the Luren, and it's like not much you can do when it actually happens. So in game two and three, I just get to you know living wish for. For my meddling mage, which I kept in my sideboard, I boarded in my collector roof so I can recruit her for it, and I just lock him out two games. Yeah, say what you will about the Epic Storm, but like playing uh, only Veil of Summer and uh, that kind of cards for protection, it's not really good in the in the combo matchup, in the combo mirror. So for my round five, I face uh, Band Control. I win 2-1 in a super tight match. Uh, we had some very fun legacy going on, me and my opponent, me basically doing all in my power and succeeding in the end to dodge around uh, his Caracases. And it was a super nice opponent. We said after game two, when we were sort of uh, sideboarding for game three, we was like, but whoever wins I mean, next this game, this has been just a great match. Yeah, I agree. Fucking fantastic match. And I really felt sort of those kinds of sort of moments is what you really want out of a big paper legacy tournament. I mean, sure, you can go there to win. You can get your sort of store credit and, and you know, get your prizes and, and the glory but really i mean then uh, that feeling of just sort of this is great yeah i'm having such a good time i'm so glad we're here yeah yeah so i'm two and three uh going into round six yeah so round six i'm not feeling great not having a good time i'm here to win that's what i do i win and i'm not winning right now but yeah sure you can play magic to have fun also i have some people do it uh, i meet uh, red black reanimator i lost one too yeah it, it there was not that much that happened, really, but uh, it was an interesting scenario in game one where uh, I have a exploration, loam, and combo in graveyard, and like three other lands, so I can do the combo every turn. And he drains me with Archon six times and he just kills me, because he uh, 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 yeah, he, he plays the Archon, then he attacks with it, I make the 2020 block, uh, so it dies. Uh, and it's blocked, otherwise I die. And then he plays the uh, reanimator again from the graveyard, and then he just sack my guy. Then I slow him up the combo, he attacks, I do the combo, block it, he makes the 2020, so like, he just drains me, <laughs> it's super stupid. Uh, That's insane. Yeah, uh, also, he has a Sarah Emissary in play the entire time on lands. So, so uh, not like I can do anything else, like mace or anything, I just, yeah, I don't know, it's weird. <laughs> so he basically used the Archon as a bolt, but yeah, I mean, it worked, <laughs> that was weird. And then in game two, I don't really remember, I think I got a crop or something relevant. And then in game three, I'm all going to five. 
he fought his main endurance and they lose. So it happens. Yeah, game one was interesting. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I also faced off against that uh, endurance of cruelty in my in my first round, and and the, it gaining him life as well is also like it's really hard to win with Merit Leech after he's up to like thirty six life something like that. So. In my next game, I faced off against Jeskai Blade. Uh, really interesting. I have not uh, tested against this deck, so I was not really sure what to expect and uh, like what could be in the sideboard and so on, but uh, it was basically Stoneforge Mystics, Snapcasters and True Name. And uh, in game one I just overwhelmed him with zombies quite fast and Blast Zone was uh, being a real good card. Like getting two for ones against Stoneforge Mystic and the Snap or just killing the True Name with it. And Maze was obviously awesome against the Caldra, totally nullifies it. After that he boards in Blood Moons and in game two I get to remove his Blood Moon, but I'm, I'm stumbling a little bit too much, and he's already built a board when I find my Force of Vigor. And in game 3, uh, I play quite badly. I am tap, tapped out of my red mana when uh, uh, when he plays his true name, and uh, I should have had a Blast Zone on 3 already, waiting for it, which I didn't have. And then when he quips it to Caldra, it's over, because then it's indestructible. And I cannot uh, maze the Caldra anymore when it's equipped to a true name. So that spells the end for me. Uh, so losing 1-2 to Jessica Blade. So the problem here was you tapped out of uh, red mana when you had the red elemental boss to counter a true name. Yeah, uh, or, or I could just had you know, mana up with a with, uh, with, uh, blast zone. would have been... I, I could have had double answers to it. Yeah, that's super rough. So yeah, in, in round 6... I play against Rector Fate, and I, I actually pick up a second loss. Game one was very unfortunate. I drew around, I think, 35 cards deep into my library, but I never found find my Aluren, uh, which uh, would have been the insta-kill. But, you know, it, it can happen. In game two, I get to do it instead. So we just play very few rounds uh, of game two, like uh, not many turns before I kill him. And game three... This is kind of funny, because here we go. In the Q&A episode, I was kind of like, I don't make I don't make mistakes anymore or big misplays. Mm-hmm. Hear ye. Instant karma <laughs> noodles, people. I make a consecutive misplay over 10 plus turns. So my opponent plays the turn for Eureka. And puts in Overwhelming Splendor. Some other bullshit enchantment that was super cool that g- pumped all <laughs> of my opponent's creatures and gave all of mine minus one, minus one. It was uh, with Kaya on it. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there. Oh, shit. This is really bad. The things I put in, I put in, uh, you know, an Uro that didn't get to trigger. I put in a, a Quattle that didn't get to trigger. They're both going to die. And I put in a Teferi. I sit there. Snow, like just uh, turtling for minutes, 10 turns, uh, until I eventually die. And then my opponent goes after the game. Uh, actually, Overwhelming Splendor doesn't turn off loyalty abilities, which I thought it did. I thought it just straight up cold turkey, no abilities. So I actually could have bounced my opponent's Overwhelming Splendor and killed him for like 10 turns. But that happens, and I will never make that mistake again. I'm going to put the Rector Fit players in the dirt where they belong. Victor? We, at this point, have at the Swedish Legacy Nationals a Rector Fit deck at 5-1. Uh, and one. It's true. It's, it's very cool. And it was like a foiled-out deck. The person 
was obviously not only a great person, but also uh, had exquisite taste. Uh, played Yorian Allure the day before in the team's tournament. I mean, obviously a fantastic person. So my round six is, uh, I think, probably my best uh, best match of this day because it was just so shamelessly dirty. Uh, so I'm going to go over this in a bit more detail. I play against Infect. In game one, I just basically get to do my thing. Game one against Infect, I think you should be quite favored. Just make sure to play around days. In game two, my opponent, uh, and then we went over this afterwards, so I had this information. He, he felt, uh, it felt for me, very happy. Like He's like, oh, this is a great keep on the play. He kept a seven of Blighted Agent, Brainstorm, Force of Will, Endurance, Rest in Peace, Mystery Rainforest, and Tropical Island. And he's feel, feeling really good on his hand. Uh, so I go Chancellor of the Annex pregame. So he just goes, uh, plays a land go. And then I play Lotus Petal, Lotus Petal, and unmask him, exciting another unmask. Uh, he foves the unmask, paying the extra mana from the Chancellor with the trigger, with the tropical that he has in play. I then crack one of the petals for red mana, and I cast Faithless Looting, putting the Chancellor and uh, an Archon of Cruelty into the graveyard. Then I crack my second petal for a Dark Ritual, and I cast Reanimate, floating two black mana, putting the Archon into play. Uh, I'm hellbent at this point. Uh, so, But I'm thinking like, you know, this could be worth it. You never know. And lo and behold, I get to draw a card of my Archon. Another Reanimate. So I can Reanimate my Chancellor into play as well. So I pass back the turn to him and his excellent hand with Archon and Chancellor in play. And I'm like, yeah, your turn. And he's like, but I have such a good hand. <laughs> This was looking so great. What just happened? And I just felt, I felt very, very dirty. It was uh, one of these things that this deck just will do sometimes. So I go to 3-3 and I feel very good about myself at this point. You felt dirty, but I think, I, I, I always thought that black, red, reanimated pe- people, like players, don't feel anything. So you feeling dirty... <laughs> That's like the greatest thing I've heard all day. It's uh, it's what I want to hear. Yeah, because I mean, you usually usually you just go like Chancellor reveal unmask uh, swamp dark ritual and tomb exhume. That's sort of what the deck is supposed to do. So you don't really feel dirty because legacy needs that kind of checks on it. But doing this, passing my turn back with no other permanence at all than an archer of cruelty and a Chancellor of the Annex. That's just <laughs> that's just cruel. Another level of of sort of really 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 winning hard against your opponent so yes i felt dirty for the first time since i picked up this deck to round seven yeah yeah round seven i'm two four by now so i'm also dirty not in a in any good way unfortunately yeah so now uh, i mean it's a, a end of the day the people still playing that are might be new like it's like a good time i mean i'm having fun i was gonna actually play for fun so to say so uh, i'm eating turbo depths uh, and i play that it's a good matchup for, for lance uh, no way around it and I can see both on my games left and right to me that there's a lot of mistakes, uh, like a lot of mistriggers and so on. And, and like it's new, newer players, 
format. I mean, obviously that's good. I mean, we should get new players. We should get like uh, inexperience. And the only way to get experience and to win and so on is to play the tournament. So come to the tournament, even if you, yeah, uh, haven't played that much. Obviously you should do it. And what I'm getting at here is that my opponent is also not as f- f- familiar with the matchup as I am. So, uh, yeah, I win 2-0. It was uh, no, not hard at all. I get to do a 20-20 out of his dark, dark depths with my Tespian stage using his his Urborg, Urborg also. Mm. So I have a Mox Simon, a Tespian stage, and a Maze of it. He has an Urborg and he plays his dark depths. I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Next game. <laughs> but I says, yeah, I mean, you learn when you play. And then in game two here, he scoops, I never get to actually win. But when he scoops, I have one exploration, two wasteland, one maze, one Caracas, one stage in play. And then I cast my loam. And then uh, my point here is that this matchup is so rough for Turbulence once lands get going. There's so many stuff to get through so yeah, it's a good matchup if you want to win as a turbo depths versus lands you need to win turn one turn two or you need a right of consumption that's like the only way pretty much so yeah um three for now i'm starting to feel happy again because i accepted my losses i can imagine that he won't make that mistake anytime soon as well yeah and that's funny funny how it is like victor you are you have been climbing up from zero three to three three and are quite happy about that and uh, me on the other hand i i i have uh, dropped down from three oh to three three so i'm not feeling good at all and i i, I think i'm a little bit on like no, no, no i'm not playing my best from here on on but i'm facing off against a quite good delver player who obviously have uh, quite a rough day as well i win game one with just you know a snowball lands hand and game two he kills me quite fast with uh, like a you know a delver hand just threats 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 and counter magic then game three is quite grindy and we end up in the situation where i can crop to get merit lage to block his uh, his little attack with uh, a dragon but he has to submerge for my merit lage and uh, yeah crashes him for lethal so it was quite quite close even though i was like not playing the the very best i should say all right so my round seven so i'm sitting at four and two at this point and you know six two might be able to get into top eight it's very unlikely but uh, you know i'm still gonna fight it out so i'm playing against uh, like green white depths and this is one of the matchups that like one of the matches that i i'm gonna explore a bit a bit more, but not not too much. When I'm talking about playing certain matchups, I usually talk about how important it is to establish your role in the matchup. And I'm playing against a slower depths version than the turbo depths. It's playing like uh, the Knight of the Reliquaries. It's playing, you know, just some some really nice slower, stronger white cards, like some some efficient removal. It's playing Sylvan Libraries and and stuff like that. And being on Aluren, I'm always the threat in the matchup. They can make a 2020, but not out of nowhere like the other like Turbo Depths version can. It's it it requires more setup. It does so more consistently than than the other builds and has other threats uh, to present as well. But if they are not pressing to kill me. I will eventually get there. Uh, if they if they're not presenting quick threats or making me work for it, 
I will cantrip. I will, like on the average game, draw more cards than the opponent. And I will have shunt blockers. I will get that time and kill them eventually with one card. Um, so it's really important to you know understand that I'm going to be the control player and play this out just drawing cards and always making sure that if they're trying to win I'm either gonna slow that down or play some you know swords of plowshares or prismatic ending so game one and two goes pretty much this way where I'm just slowing the ga game down as much as possible and my opponent is not able to present an effective enough threat in game two even i broke my yorion record drawing six cards with from four abundant groves and two ice van quattles and like if the opponent on on depths at that moment doesn't realize that the game is over <laughs> then it's something has gone extremely wrong but yeah i, I really enjoy this matchup like uh, i i did play it a lot in bologna and i rarely lose it because their their plan of getting through a lot of damage with one big creature is really hard to do against the bird tribal deck uh, that is a learn especially now when you're playing you know four teferi main and also eight removal spells to take care of marit so it's it's really great got nothing more to add there besides you know felt extremely good to fetch the Yorion when you know that you can draw six cards and also living wish for Caracas just for the mega bad beats like am I gonna bounce Marit or Yorion with this so yeah I'm I'm five five on two at this point so build your own crystal brand pretty much exactly it's a, it, I mean I can't cheat it in but pretty close yeah, so speaking of Grizzlebrand and speaking of earlier, we said there was quite a few combo decks in the room. There was quite a few reanimator decks playing and I finally in round 7 get to play the mirror match, which I really like. It's a super fun, really mind-gamey type of matchup when it's all about sort of really not trying to never have any creatures in your hand ever because your opponent will discard them from you and reanimate them. Uh, this happened in game one, my opponent mulligans to four, I kept a seven with Chancellor trigger, and they still win, because they managed to thought seize me when I've just drawn a Grizzlebrand, put it into my graveyard, animate it, and just win from there. But I was very confident, for some reason I felt that I was going to win this match, because I had such a good plan for how I was going to play this out, I've been doing lots of thinking of the mirror, and I clutched it, I just won game two and three, basically by playing lots of thoughtsies and lots of silences uh, which is a card that sort of you, you bring in for the for the counter heavy decks but it's also really really good in the mirror so i'm 4-3 uh, going into the last round which is round eight yeah so i'm 3-4 uh, now i mean uh, i'm so sorry to get happy as i said uh, and now i have a interesting game um, i'm not gonna say it's the best game but it's super interesting so uh, i meet oops all spells I think it's the same guy as Christopher met in round one. I'm not sure, but it's an Upsol spells anyway. I lose the die roll, because why not? And I just get turn one kill as Lance. Nothing I can do. He even shows me he had a packed backup. I mean, I see when he puts his entire deck into the graveyard. So he has so-called a perfect seven, pretty much. I scoop when he therapies me, so he doesn't know what I play. And then when I'm on game two, this is much I bring in 15 cards in also. My entire sideboard. 
So I have three red uh, Elemental Blast, four Force of Eager, four Endurance, and four Sphere of Resistance. And it's not... Wow. Uh, yeah, but, but it's not like Force of Eager is super good. It's just that Maze of Fate and Caracas is really bad. Like, it's so many cards to bring out, so... Uh, I guess all 15 cards in. More to pitch for endurance. Yeah, exactly. So, so remember, four endurance, so it will be important. But uh, in, in game two, then, uh, I'm on the play. He doesn't know uh, what I play. And I have so called a perfect seven also. Uh, I go turn one sphere, uh, I have, then go turn two sphere, and then tie time I have both crop rotation and endurance backup. This is just a crazy good hand. And then. Uh, so somewhere like on turn 4 or 5 something, he plays uh, one of his lands, uh, Petra Spear Guy, plays, plays a pet doll, and then a wasteland his land, and then he scoops. And this is before, uh, I don't have, have to even show crop rotation or endurance here. So, so then we have the game 3, I guess the, the match yeah, of the tournament for me. So he, he yeah, he's on the play, he draws his 7, he, and he keeps it pretty fast. So obviously it's a turn 1 killer, super good hand. So I'm like, okay, I'm on the draw, he's gonna kill me to one, I need my endurance, he's the only card that's relevant here. So I draw my seven, nothing in it, Com- completely empty. Okay, sure, it happens. I draw my six, and in my six I have a turn one swear, uh, swear of resistance, but I'm on the draw, doesn't matter, I need endurance. So, okay, no endurance, ship it. I draw my five, I have a crop rotation, and a green, uh, green land, so green source, but uh, still, I'm on the draw, doesn't matter, no endurance. So ship it also. I draw my four, no endurance. I draw my three, no endurance. I play four endurance in main, or in main by now. So I play four endurance in day. I draw my seven, my six, my three, five, my four, my third, no endurance. And then when I draw my two down, so to, or I mean seven card by Mulligan to two, I see endurance expiration. Okay, snap keep, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> this, now it's getting interesting here. That's some really disciplined uh, Mulligan. So, so my, my opponent, um, he's actually a, a local player in Stockholm, but he, he, he never played Legacy, he only plays uh, Modern. I met him quite often there also. So, so, so I mean, we, we were having like a fun discussions on, I mean, especially when I mulligan this much, he's like, oh, what are you looking for and whatever. And then, yeah, it's like, no pregame effects. Then he goes the, the Greenland, then he plays Lotus Petal, Dark Ritual, and Cabal Therapy, target me. And it's like, oh no, <laughs> what could it be? And I'm like, okay, this is over. I mean, it's obviously one, only one card I'm looking for. But, but, but then he starts to, like, rabble and talk to themselves on, like, what could it be? Like, it's obviously not Leyland to work, because then it would be in play. And, like, and they just keep thinking loud, like, what could it be? What do you have in your hand? And then it's like, yeah, I can't name a card I don't know. So, yeah, what could it be? Blah, blah, I'm new to the format, I don't know. Then it says, circle extraction. <laughs> and I reveal my hand, expiration, endurance, and he just puts his hand uh, or his head, head in his hand, like, no, I know, I know it's this, I know this card, of course it's this card. <laughs> oh, man. I beat him game free with endurance as well. I live, I living wished for it also, like, living wish for endurance, <laughs> and he's like, oh man, what's that? So, so uh, obviously, since, since he didn't pack anything, he's not actually dead here. What he does, he passes turn because he can't go off. And then we have the race. Uh, do I draw a second answer or does he draw a counter spell, uh, like a pact negation or a new uh, discard spells? So my first draw is a crop rotation. Oh, okay, that's good. I mean, now I just need a green land, no green source. And then he he uh, he draws something, passes, and I draw a grow of the burn willows. And, and, and yeah, so I play play the grow, and I just know. Okay, I, I won now. I have two answers. 
and he, he has zero answers, so he needs to draw two. So he's like, yeah, I, I know, I, I, I should win by now. And then he, yeah, he draws a card, I draw some card. And then when he finally draws his forces, he forces and looks at my hand. And, and, and I kid you not, I have three endurance, one crop rotation, two exploration, <laughs> and a loan. So, 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 so I basically drawn the perfect seven off top by Mulligan to two. And, and, and yeah, and then he scoops because like, okay, there's no way. <laughs> like, but yeah, yeah, just like the despair in, in in his eyes when he sees my endurance, when I reveal my hand to therapy, like, mm. of course, of course, is that. I mean, eight rounds, long day, new format. I guess you forget the card. <laughs> just he'll uh, remember it now. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So that was my last game. I ended on a like high note, so to say fast finish up here. Uh, I finished 4-4, which is below uh, expectations. Uh, I was looking for top 8. Uh, I topped 8 last year, or last time, so obviously I want to get better than that, but I mean, sometimes it's, it uh, it happens. I'm not really unhappy with how I played. Uh, I did, uh, as I said, I did agree to force a bigger play versus uh, artifact deck, but otherwise I'm not really super unhappy. And I mean, sometimes deck doesn't want to work with you, and you just have to accept it or start playing blue is another solution and yeah i think land so overall is a really good deck really strong deck i don't like regret playing lands here it's like a super strong deck i've had a really uh, i have a lot of success online with it recently so and also what made it this entire weekend really good or finish or yeah or why it was great is that on saturday or sunday i mean I played my first vintage event ever in paper, and I actually get, uh, got to win it. Whoa! So, Yay! Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we were six players, but <laughs> what did you play? What did you uh, play? Uh, I was playing uh, like a mix of stacks and uh, turbo depths. So it's like green, white, fast bond, a lot of lands and stacks effects. Congratulations! But, yeah, it, yeah. vintage is weird. <laughs> so. But only non-blue player there. Yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> Obviously, on brand. Yeah, but uh, man, I, I I agree with you. It felt uh, great to bring lands to this uh, championship. Although it was a little bit more combo in the meta than I was expecting. I would say that I was uh, I was thinking more about uh, DNT and uh, and Delver and that kind of decks, and and also like more control decks. But it was a lot of combo. But that was fun. My final game was against Food Chain, and uh, I have played this matchup a lot from the other side. <laughs> I used to play Food Chain uh, for more than a year during the Miracle Top era. It's a rough matchup for lands. Uh, they present infinite blockers as soon as the little green enchantment is in play, and that's how it fell out. Uh, he, he was also on the red splash, which is quite common these days. So I also had to deal with Magus of the Moon, uh, which was a little bit annoying. But uh, it was... Uh, it was a nice game. I, I tried to make a lot of zombies. That's my plan, I guess, that deck, but didn't really make it. Yeah, but we had a good time drinking with your opponent and the Gothenburg crew later, same evening. Yeah, it was a really nice guy. We had a, yeah, we had a chat after and uh, ended up uh, having a beer. So that's, that's really nice. And that's... Yeah, super nice guys. So my last, my last round is against Sneak and Show and... Game one was kind of undeserved, an undeserved win for me. Uh, my opponent goes turn two show and tell, and I force, they force back, and they put in Grizzlebrand, and uh, draw seven and pass turn. I draw my card for the turn and try and swords to plowshares it. They draw seven new cards and force a will it. With the show and tell, I put in an extra land, so I'm actually up to three lands. So I have a land drop left. So I go Living Wish. 
and my opponent goes, okay. I get my Caracas, I bounce the Grizzlebrand, and I attack for one with my Quattle. And these cards that my opponent drew did not allow them to play any more relevant spells for the rest of the game because they ancient tombed themselves down and drew, they were down to two life in game one after this ex like exchange had happened. They couldn't play another show and tell effect to get there, <laughs> apparently. So he scoops it up. Game two, I get show and tell heavy. And it's one of those games that sometimes when you're playing this matchup, you're just, as the Allurean player, you're just setting up until they play until they play show and tell. Your game plan is to prevent them from sneaking showing. So you can, uh, no, just sneak attacking. So you just try and buy time, try and disrupt exactly that plan. But in game two, the show and tell happens and my opponent just puts in a straight up Emrakul and gets the Annihilator 6 the next turn. I'm looking at the permanents that I have. Do I have any way to <laughs> like swing this game around? No, let's go to game three. Game 3 is, is my, my favorite game of the tournament. I'm sitting there and uh, I'm thinking in my head, I need to win this for my, my good friend back in Stockholm who hates show and tell with a passion. Uh, my dear friend Ander, I need to win this for him. I can't, I can't lose the last round and write to him, sorry, 5-3. So I'm all in on the setup plan. I go, you know, abundant growth on my on my land. I ponder for a couple of cards. I miss my fair land drop, but I just go extremely heavy on setting up. My hand is so bong, like it's it's like the bonkers. So I'm just sitting there waiting for my opponent to do the thing. And my opponent on turn three goes for the show and tell with a pedal up. And I want to ex like exhaust him of as many as many resources as possible so i just force a will because i can pitch a card that's not going to do anything i want this force i want this show until to resolve and i want him to burn resources getting there defending it so my opponent flushed the storms and i put a learn in play and my opponent puts emrakul in play my learn <laughs> in my hand i do have two recruit of the guards alongside with Harpy Uro. So I can either draw my deck and gain a lot of life putting a lot of lands into play or just straight up kill my opponent with the recruiter. And since I have the Harpy in hand, I can also play around a certain line, uh, which is Force of Will from my opponent. So I play the recruiter, which gets another recruiter, which gets another recruiter, which gets the Arctic Merfolk. The Arctic Merfolk bounces the recruiter which gets a meddling mage. And then I just name force a will, play the harpy, and kill my opponent with Ukima. And during this, when I'm doing this, my opponent go is it, it, like the, the friendliest guy ever. And he's going, oh, so I, I guess that you're assorting some sort of combo right now. <laughs> and it's like the most wholesome thing ever. And uh, yeah, so then... I get to kill my opponent for the 6-2 and Victor is standing behind me just popping off. <laughs> it was a very wholesome moment. And eventually on tiebreakers, I do not get into the top eight, but 12th place. Yeah, standing behind you uh, when he says that, oh, 
you are assembling some kind of combo here, it seems. Instead of this jovial, <laughs> uh, I'm going to enjoy getting beat up now. All of these one ones are going to kill me. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah, I had just I got there early because I in round eight also faced show and tell, and uh, my deck just really did the total reanimator bird meme in both games. It was pretty brutal actually. First game, my opponent scoops before I see what they play, basically because um, I mean they they did try to force a will one of my cards. Sure, they did try that, but it didn't really help. So they could be in anything because they played an island and then force will. But island kind of reveals show and tell, perhaps, I guess. And in game two, I just uh, do the same thing as game one. Clockwork deck was very kind to me. So I got got to see Christopher's final game uh, early, and I'm happy about that. So I finished five and three. I did win five straight games coming from three losses. And I think uh, that was, uh, I'm happy about that, that I had the uh, the stamina to concentrate even though i was you know out of contention took up some tight losses i'm glad i stayed together for the remainder of the day so pretty happy I finished 28th uh, in total which is my best legacy nationals finish because this was my first legacy nationals tournament so something good to sort of um, i mean a goal for next year would obviously be to 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 place higher than 28th and i think i can uh, aim for that actually so yeah I have that going on for me now. So, other people also play this tournament. <laughs> The Swedish Legacy Nationals was taken down by Martin Lindström, playing Elves, beating Linus Eberhardsson on blue-green Omnitel with the right red sideboard splash in the finals. So all of our congratulations to Martin. Well played. The rest of the top eight was uh, Bug Control with the Winter Blue Command and Hymn to Torak that we, Robin, played earlier. Two copies of Eight Cast, which we played. One Blue Red Delver with no Delver. Actual factual Tin Fins that we also heard about. And also actual factual Ruby Storm. I love this. The top 16 had two more copies of Blue Red Delver, this time with Delver in them. One Bad Control, one Lance, one sort of what the fuck, Yorian Illyrian player, don't know who that is. Another couple of Elves, one Mystic Fords, and a third copy of uh, Eight Cast for the top 16. So um, just briefly before we close off tonight, what's your guys' opinions on this? I mean, I am seeing zero Death and Taxes, a lot of combo but no Doomsday, and three copies each of Blue Red Delver and Eight Cast. Yes, so my first thought here is that because on the team event the day before, that there's like the overview of the meta, there's a lot of lands and there's no blood moons. So I thought people would bring more blood moons to, to the main event. So, and we have no blood moons in top 16. And that's, that's a bit weird because the, on, on a big event, like you play a lot of rounds, so you, you want to play it like streamlined decks. You want to go turn one challenge, turn one blood moons, do stuff like that. So, so I'm a bit surprised there's no mono red stompy. Because that deck has been really uh, powerful online and so on. That, that, that's my first thought. No, no blood moons. That's a bit weird. One thought that I had, and I think I talked about this uh, on our uh, preparations episode, was I was anticipating non-blue decks to do pretty good. But now looking at it, at the results, sure, there, there was a lot of reanimator in the room. There was like a lance in, in the top 16. And what I'm really shocked about is how many 8-cast players that 
performed really well. That's one of the blue, like on the fence, blue, not blue decks out there. But I think uh, I, I would I would categorize them as a blue deck. But it's just really interesting to see that it's one of the decks that you hear you hear and see a lot about on the internet, but maybe have not seen that much in paper yet since paper events are opening up. But it's not really playing that many, I think, reserve list cards. It's not playing the, the LEDs, I think. It might. Don't quote me on this. Depends on the version. Yeah, if it, because like uh, the they, they, they're not as... Yeah, like that's uh, the Echo version is, a, is like a completely different deck, kind of. They're, they're more reliant on, you know, Urza. But this is just like a streamlined mono blue affinity with a sick card draw and forces and i think it's it's a deck that we'll definitely see more of and it's it's probably the strongest ursa saga deck yep so da, 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 i agree this interesting uh three of them or terribles and uh, because i don't see the eight cost deck as a like a good a, a gp deck which you can see nationals because you're playing a lot of run and there's a lot of decisions in the eight cost deck and generally you want to yeah, trim down on your important decisions or, or, or yeah, how many decisions, how much play you need to do. So you want to limit the amount of mistakes you can do for a big format. So that's really impressive, there's three of them actually. Because, because I think there's a lot of decisions, a lot of things to do, many, many different lines, uh, lines of play and so on. Uh, really impressive also. It's a strong deck, obviously. Yeah, my, my thoughts when looking at the top 8 and top 16 is uh, quite a diverse beta at this national championship. I mean, it's not so overwhelmed by a Delver that we see online than a nice proportion of the different type of decks that you can bring. Maybe there was some uh, like a rock, paper, scissor thing going on with the Lance decks beating up some of the Delver decks and then getting beat up by some of the combo decks. And that's why there's not, neither a lot of lands nor a lot of uh, Delver decks in the top 16. So, But uh, really happy to see such a diverse beta and cool to see elves taking the, sh the crown. Yeah, I mean, it really feels like a paper tournament as well. Like I was watching results from a challenge recently, I think this past weekend, which put like 12 copies of Blue Red Delver in the top 32 of something. It was just... Yeah, the showcase. Excruciatingly boring to see such results. It becomes so sort of super streamlined. A Paper Legacy tournament simply won't get that. Even if everyone had all the cards available to them, it wouldn't look like that because people play Paper Legacy for slightly different reasons. But also a big shout out to the organizers of this tournament. I think they did a great job managing everything, went smoothly. The judges were super nice, super good. Legacy has its fair amount of interactions and fair amounts of opportunities for game rule violations in, in on different levels. There are lots of things that can go wrong. So I was, uh, I think we had three judge calls in total in matches I played and, you know, left, right, and center around me in the tables, I would get multiple judge calls. And all of them were handled with sort of professionalism, calm, care. So big shout-outs to the judges for the Swedish National Championships. They were great. I also just want to make a super small shout-out. It was great meeting people who listened to the, to the podcast. Um, there were a lot of people walking up to us throughout the, throughout the weekend, just like, Hey, I listened. Are, are you the Stockholm Legacy Report? I, I listened to the to the podcast. It's it's great to to actually see the people who listen to the podcast. And like, if you meet us at at future events, like just walk up and say hi. There was one interaction like in the morning, 
uh, that I really enjoyed. It was one of our listeners walked up and said like, oh, you're, you're the podcast. I listened to all of your episodes. And you remember, we played in uh, at the National six years ago. And I was like, huh, I only remember like two opponents from it. And he's like, yeah, we played on stream. And I'm like, oh no, you're the reanimator guy. And it, it, it's there's photo evidence <laughs> of me getting my ass handed to me forever <laughs> archived. It's one of my <laughs> worst losses ever in, in Legacy. And of course it happened like the round before I could drew, draw into like top eight. And it's forever, you know, eternalized in the archives of uh, Svenska Magic. Yeah, the social components of this event obviously were fantastic. Thank you to everyone who, who brought that, both at the tables and in the bars later on in the evening. And that is all we have for this week. For us, obviously, a mammoth length of an episode. Glad that you have stayed with us so far if you are still here with us which you are if you are listening right now if you think this podcast is good please help us grow by telling a friend that it's good if you want to reach out to us a great way as mentioned earlier is to find your way to our discord server a link can be found in the episode information you can also hit us up on twitter at stockholm legacy we are also personally present on some social media robin where can listeners find you? Best to find me on the Discord, but I'm also on Facebook and uh, usually posting in uh, Reddit and different Discord channels. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, and I'm thinking about changing my like nickname to Mammoth MTG after Victor's Mammoth Link episode. But for now, you can find me on Monolith MTG on Twitter. You can find me on uh, some Discord, uh, this one. Otherwise, I don't really have that much of social appearance. I have a Twitter account, but I only follow. I don't really use it. Uh, you can see my uh, MTGO name, uh, Deltar. You can always add me on uh, MTGO and talk to me there. Or add me on uh, Svenska Magic or send a message there. But yeah, the Discord is the best, uh, best place. And you can find me on Twitter and in Discord servers as Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 24th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. Extra special thank you, Andreas Hoveberg, for coming here. The great Frönes has written our music. You should check them out on Spotify. Until next time, raise the hoof. <laughs> <laughs>